This is a bonus episode of our recent two-parter Game On, focusing on the future of gaming. In this episode, Donald Harris, founder of ATX Game Makers and executive producer at Farbridge, a game studio based in Austin, Texas, speaks to host Kate Russell about the rise of mass multiplayer online gaming and how technical infrastructure goes hand in hand with this huge world, particularly keeping gaming diverse. What you'll find is like a lot of the games that are coming out are almost always have a multiplayer component. Um, it's where, you know, it's where the trends are going, getting people even more connected and, and delivering bigger and better experiences. And so, um, you know, internally we call it games as a service. That's one of the, the particular um, models that we build games on. And so when you think about it, you think about buying a game once, you take it home, you play it, those days are gone, right? You buy the game once, but you're going to be playing this game for years at a time. And we're going to be adding in things to make you want to connect with your friends or people down the street or just random strangers to play and enjoy these games with. So as time has progressed, uh, the trends have definitely gone to just we want to bring more people together in games. One of the problems with the sort of like the rise of the online multiplayer game um, is that all internets are not created equal, right? I mean, I've played, um, you know, competitive first-person shooter games with people, and if you've got a, a, a bad internet connection, then you're not going to win. But also, you're perhaps not going to be um, as drawn to the kinds of game that require a, a hefty internet connection. Do you think that that is impacting the way that we think about development and the way we think about being gamers? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So it's funny that you, you bring this question up because working currently working on some multiplayer games back at the office, um, there are during our development phase, we pick and choose literally which data that we want to send across the wire, right? If it's something that we can avoid sending across the wire to, to, to make that transmission faster and therefore leveling that play, that, that, that field, um, we, we put a lot of thought in, into that. So whereas someone may be on a slower internet connection, that would make us, like what we try and do is we try and plan out, man, we don't need to send every bit of data that we got you know, to, to, to their computer and then have them send it back to us and then back to the server, so forth and so on. So yeah, it's, a, it's very impactful on the way we design our games, um, features that we want to put into the games that we know hey if we have a certain feature we're going to eliminate like a large part of our player base and so we don't want to do that um so yeah it's it's heavy heavy on the mind especially when you also talk about different platforms right so we've got mobile pc um and and your console so even those dictate what kind of features we can put into a game as far as network and, and multiplayer so what do you think, um, when it comes to sort of user experience, um, the, the bandwidth and the, the connectivity that you're giving people, it can have a serious impact on their, um, on their experience. Do you see a point at which it will be absolutely imperative that you have to have an internet connection or you can't be a gamer? Is that coming at all? 
Oh, ah, uh, man, that is a that is a big question. Um, I, in some ways, I do see that. I, I think with so, for instance, if you look at all the the current platforms that are out there, again, going back to PC, um, mobile, and console. All of those have a digital libraries where you don't even buy physical games. You need an internet connection to get the game. Um, so saying that there is coming a point to where you know you're going to need an internet connection or you're not going to be able to play games, it could be likely. It could be likely. Um, it's just easier for game developers like myself to make games and deliver them over the wire. Um, it, I don't have to deal with physical publishing. I don't have to deal with inventory. Yeah, that day could come. Now, now that you're making me think about it, that day very well could come. There's whole swathes of the population of many countries will be happy by that, but also many who will be very not happy. Um, but when it comes to game development, let's let's think a little bit about you as a, a sort of a de development studio. Um, the Farbridge choose their talent um you know do, do you have talent working outside of your office and in which in, in which case what what are the internet connectivity issues that you have to deal with and is that a, a factor in choosing somebody to work with you yes uh well you know we're all going through the pandemic <clears throat> and currently our office uh, we don't have an office we're all remote workers um and that very very much was an important piece of how we were going to set up our now virtual offices, right? So um, most of our team members are within side of Austin, Texas. We do have a, a few folks that are spread out um, around the U.S. And then we had one person that was actually located in uh, Hawaii. And barring time zone issues, um, there were some, some situations to where we had to like accommodate slower internet, right? Because he, he, and actually not only was he in Hawaii, but he also lived on a farm. So it's like when you're adding up different difficulties on internet connectivity and being in a rural area and on an island, um, there were times where, you know, he, during his overnight time, he would be downloading large packets of data from us uh, so that he can work on different parts of the game, you know? And so, but it's, it's tough. It's, it's challenging. We can, we can have talent that is located in a part of the world where there's not, you know, not significant internet uh, bandwidth and we can't work with them. It just, it would be impossible. It would, it would be impossible. It was difficult with, with the person in, in Hawaii. So, Yeah. Do you think that um, politicians and even actually parents take gaming seriously not enough as an industry, you know, with viable careers, uh, you know, great at generating tax and income? And, and do you think that we're taking it seriously not enough as a society to really uh, give the rocket boosters that it needs for us to keep generating great games? So taking myself out of that equation, absolutely not enough, right? Obviously in my household, I take it very seriously. I know <clears throat> that if my kids want to stream or if they want to develop games, I know that they can make uh, a sustainable lifestyle for themselves. I think politicians and, and uh, parents in general still think of games as being fun and just a, a hobby, which they are, and that's, that's 
great, and that's one of the reasons why I like making games. But um, with the rise of esports and things like that, and, and the money around those industries, I don't I don't think politicians and parents are really taking a strong look at it and saying, "Hey, my child can make." large amounts of money, more money than me, you know, playing games. And, and that's, that's exactly where we are. And, you know, um, ESL is a, is a great, great example of that. Like that, that organization there, the amount of money that they make, the amount of money that the players make, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's, it's a very lucrative lifestyle for sure. And I don't, I don't think people are, are taking it serious enough. I just want to round off the talk though, get a bit more back to sort of like the future gazing about how we can look at fixing the digital divide, how we can bring more people into the industry and how we can perhaps get a wider variety of people more accepting of the idea of gaming as a, as a serious career option and a serious business. So what more can we do to help um, the world reap the societal benefits of gaming? I think with respect to game makers, people who are, who are building the games and developing the games, I think um, there's lots of opportunity there that we can use our platforms to help improve society, right? Um, I think number one, teaching and, and building games that teach, uh, teach good habits and, 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 and outreach into the community. I think uh, going into our communities as game developers, so like a lot of the times when I'm not speaking on technical things like we are today, uh, I go and speak uh, about diversity and inclusion and I go into different communities and I try and spread the word of gaming and game development and show off the opportunities. I think uh, we all have some responsibility of doing that, right? And so one of the things I used to say way back in the day was that if you want different video games to play, you have to get different people to make them. Uh, and so going out into the community, getting different people, that that's the way that, that cycle works. Donald, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. That was Donald Harris talking to Kate Russell at our recent Game On event, if you haven't already, go back and listen to part one and part two, where we discuss how we take gaming to the next level and just how big the industry can really go. Make sure you subscribe to the Tech Podcast to be the first to know when episodes are out. See you next time. <laughs>